Friends, invite you to turn in your Bibles. So good to have a kind of little special Christmas Sunday morning here with everyone. And um, uh, it wouldn't be Christmas Sunday morning, so my wife says, if we don't read from um, the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And so we will, um, for our scripture reading today, will be Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through, um, well, let's see here. But, uh, not to the end. Let's see, one through, how about we'll go to 38? How about that? Luke 2, 1 through 38 will be our scripture reading. Um, and our reflections this morning are going to come from the latter half of that. But we thought for the context here, it might be good to read the entire birth story from Luke's account. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. And you can follow along as I read, and then I will uh, pray, and then we will uh, hear teaching here from God's Word. So Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. This is the reading of God's word. And we say, thanks be to God. And so let's pray. God, we... Um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful Christmas story and for what Luke records for us in the events that immediately follow. And God, may you, after having heard your word, may you teach us. May even now, in hearing your word, your spirit will work into our hearts. And give us eyes to see and understand not only what your word says, but what your word is all about. And it's not about us, it's about your son, Jesus. And so give us eyes to see what Luke records for us here about your son and our savior, Jesus Christ. And so guide us here now in the next few moments as we reflect on this passage. And may your word, which is powerful and sharp like a double-edged sword, may it do its work into our hearts. We pray this in Christ's mighty name and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, here we come to the fourth of 
the four songs that we have been looking at in Luke's gospel. The four Christmas songs. First, we, we saw Mary's Magnificat, where she announces, magnify, my soul magnifies the Lord. And again, these are the, the traditional Latin terms for these songs. And then there was the Benedictus, the blessing given to God. And then last week we saw the song of the angels, um, glory to God in the highest or Gloria in excelsis Deo. Today we come to the fourth one, which is the Nuke Dimitis. Nuke Dimitis. I won't make you say it. And this is the Latin for now you may dismiss or now you dismiss. And this comes from verse 29 of what we just read. When Simeon, on seeing the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, and he says, Lord, now you may dismiss your servant in peace because I have seen, my eyes have seen your salvation. So this is the fourth song that we'll be looking at. And it's kind of the middle of what the passage that we just read here. And um, so I want us to kind of walk through a little bit of this passage and then uh, kind of explain a little bit what's going on here and then kind of tie everything together with one kind of thought at the end. And so here's the, the three parts I want us to walk through. First is the presentation of Jesus. And this presentation involves a couple of things. Well, it, it involves the circumcision of Jesus that we saw in verse uh, 21. At the end of day, eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, we saw that in Matthew's gospel. You, you are to name this child Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. That's what the angel told to Joseph. And this is the naming ceremony here, is at the circumcision eight days later. Now, why the circumcision? What does this mean? Well, this is in reference to Genesis chapter 17, when God reaffirms the covenant promise that he was going to bless the world through his descendants, through his seed. That he was going to bring blessing to the world through them. He had, he had promised us in, in Genesis chapter 12 when he called Abraham out of his homeland. And then he reaffirms it here in Genesis chapter 17. And then he gives them the sign of circumcision that's the sign of this covenant that this covenant people that is going to be called that's going to come from your body and that kings are going to come from your body this covenant people is going to have this sign and the sign is circumcision and so jesus is having this done he's receiving this it's an amazing thing really when you think about it you have the sign of God's promise to bring blessing to the world given to this chosen people. And Jesus receives that and he is not only receiving that sign, he is the promise. He is the, he is the seed of Abraham through whom the blessing of the world was going to come. So that's the circumcision part. You have the obedience of, of Joseph and Mary 
three times, I believe it says that they come and do what they're going to do according to the law of the Moses, according to the law of the Lord. So they're faithfully doing these things. And then they come for the purification. Now, this comes from Leviticus chapter 12. There was a purification process that needed to take uh, to take place. And if we would look really quickly at Leviticus chapter 12. You can see in verses six through eight that there's rules for purification after childbirth. It might be helpful to remember what Leviticus is all about. God had just brought that people, that people who would come from Abraham through Isaac and through Jacob. He had just delivered them and rescued out of their bondage of slavery in Egypt. And he had made this covenant promise. He goes, now you are my people. You are now a nation. I've just created a nation out of you and I will be your God and I will dwell in your midst. But I can't dwell in the midst of a sinful people unless you are kind of ritually holy. And that's what Leviticus is all about. So every little detail, every little detail of their lives um, had to be seen in light of their status as God's people. Even down to childbirth, like it says here in chapter 12. And when the days of her, purif- uh, uh, this is the purification after childbirth, you can see in the chapter 12, I'm looking at verse 6. And when the days of her purifying are completed, whether a son or, or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering. So that was the, the this it again kind of pictures, this is even out of the womb, an innocent, perfect child is still, like Paul says in Romans, in Adam. We are come into the world with a sin nature. And even in the process of childbirth, there is a, a ritual purification that has to happen, even for a child, even a child who hasn't even sinned yet because they carry the very sin nature of Adam. And so there needed to be a, an offering like there would be an offering if you had committed sins or or when the high priest went in one time of year, there was the shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And this needed to be done even for a child that was brought into the world. And it needed to be a lamb, a year old for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Verse seven, and she and he shall offer it. This is the priest shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. One thing that this tells us about Jesus's early life growing up is noticed back in Luke chapter 2, verse 24. That Mary and Joseph are coming, presenting this child. And this is the ceremony. It's the fulfillment of Leviticus chapter 12 is what they're doing here. And notice in verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. And in the law of the Lord, it says you need to bring a lamb unless, unless they can't afford one. Unless for some 
situation, your status in life, you, you were poor and could not afford a lamb, a more pricey uh, piece of livestock, and instead you could bring a pair, of two, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Notice Luke quotes that part because that's what Joseph and Mary brought. So Joseph and Mary were very humble. Remember last week we looked at the humble entrance of the Lord into the world. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes humbly into the world. When the sovereign God creator of the universe comes into the world, he doesn't come in in a most glorifying fashion. He comes humble as a baby. A baby that's born in a cattle stall it has to be laid into a trough and here even as the baby is being presented before the lord in the temple in fulfillment of the law joseph and mary are very humble they're poor they're poor have you ever struggled to make ends meet or have you ever grown up in a family where you were constantly told no you couldn't get this kind of toy or this kind of thing well, Jesus knows exactly what it's like to grow up with little. Jesus, whose father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, had an earthly father who labored as a construction worker for, for very little wage. This was their first, first child. Imagine Joseph and Mary wanting to just give everything to this child. And yet when they were presenting him before the Lord overwhelmed with this gratitude the most that they could offer were the two the two turtle doves the two pigeons but what would Jesus say to that those young parents this child was not just a gift to them in being that child this child bared with him all of the riches of heaven all of the eternal riches the inheritance that he would get from God the Father is now given to all who would have faith in him I like what Paul how Paul puts it in 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 for he says for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is not talking material wealth here. Jesus did become materially poor and have to live in materially poor um, circumstances on earth. But he carried with him all of the riches of heaven to all who would come to him. So this is the presentation of Jesus that we have here. Again, picturing his humility. But next we see the song of Simeon. Notice verses 25 through 26. It begins with Simeon. And I break this part down into three little things here too. The song of Simeon has, has three parts. It's 
uh, Simeon's promise. I'll give you all of them here. Simeon's prayer and then Simeon's prophecy. Simeon's promise. This is the promise that he has received from the Lord in verses 25 through 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Okay, remember Christ means it's the Greek word for Messiah. It's the anointed one. The anointed one of God who he had promised to send. Simeon is righteous and devout. Doesn't mean he's morally flawless. We've seen that before because no one is righteous, not one. Only Jesus is the one who is righteous according to the law. But this righteousness and this is devoutness is he had a heart for God. Listened and searched out God's word. Wanted to know what God said. And not only Simeon, who very likely probably was a priest, Simeon was in the temple. He was studying God's word and he was looking forward to the promises of God. But he had been given a special revelation from God that that he would not see death until the Lord's Messiah would come. And he was looking in expectation. I want you to notice this this little phrase here, this little line in verse 25. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting. What does what does that mean? We'll come back to that here in a moment. So that was the promise that he had been given that he would indeed see the Messiah. And then here's his prayer. Verse 27, he came in the spirit to the temple when the parents brought in Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now, and here's the nuke dimitis. Now you can let your servant depart in peace according to your word. Why? Because my eyes have seen your salvation wow look at this description of jesus simeon sees this child and he doesn't say wow i've seen this anointed one or he doesn't say ah here is the servant that you've promised all of those are in the background but he just summarizes it with this word your salvation amazing My eyes see a baby, but Simeon doesn't just see the baby. He sees Yahweh's salvation, which is what the baby's name is, right? Jesus means Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. I have seen your salvation. To see Jesus is to see God's salvation. Oh, God, give us eyes to see. To see Jesus. Simeon says some other things here in the psalm that we're going to come back to here. Verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, 
Israel. Loaded stuff there. We're going to come back to that. But notice Simeon's peace. I don't, I don't think it says how old Simeon really is here. He's probably very aged, we can imagine. What does it say here? Simeon doesn't really kind of say how old he is. But he had been given a promise from the Lord that he, could, he was not going to die until he saw the Lord's salvation. Until he saw the servant of the Lord coming and he sees him. And then notice this, this sense of peace about departing. He, he has no, no, fear of, no fear of death. Because he now knows his Savior. He has no fear of death because he knows his Savior. I like the song that we sang in Christ alone with that line, no fear of death. That always kind of catches me every time. The no fear, no fear of death. Because how could we really fear death? If we believe in the one who was raised from the dead after his crucifixion. By the very power of God, Jesus Christ was raised. And it says that everybody who has faith in him will likewise be raised. It's why I like the, what we sang in the first song, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. See, Christ resurrected and glorified in heaven as we will be when he comes. I think Simeon recognizes this. Simeon epitomizes what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Meaning Jesus took on human flesh that comes in this package of this little baby. He partook of the same things that through death, his own death on a cross, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Amen. We have no fear of death because we will re receive the resurrection through faith in Christ and his resurrection. Boy, I see a lot of fear of death today. Right? A lot of fear of death. There seems to be kind of a widespread expectation that through medicine and science, we should just live forever. We should live to over 100, over 100 years old. And that's a good thing. But friends, as believers in the resurrected Jesus Christ, we are no longer in bondage to, this, to the fear and slavery of death. Amen. Amen. And Simeon epitomizes this for us. Lord, now depart. Go ahead. That's Simeon's 
prayer. And then Simeon offers a prophecy at the end, verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what's said about him. Can you imagine Joseph and Mary watching this? They're just coming to do the ceremonial thing. And then all of a sudden this, this man comes and basically he steals the child from their arms. He grabs the baby and uh, maybe things were different back then. That was like allowable. Uh, Simeon took the child and he uh, blessed the child and he said he blessed both the parents. And he says to Mary, notice this, this word that he gives is he's speaking directly to Mary. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. Stop, stop right there, right? This child will be the fall and rising of many in Israel. This is a short kind of a way of saying Jesus is the dividing line. He really becomes the dividing marker here. Your response to Jesus, your response to Jesus uh, is either one way or the other. It's either one way or the other. Jesus said these very words later in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Wait, hold on. This is a season. This is the season of peace. This is this are the holidays of peace, right? Peace, peace on earth is what the angels saying. Jesus goes, do not think I've come to bring, bring pre, to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, Jesus is not coming to intentionally start up division here he's explaining a reality that how people how people respond to him will create sharp distinctions in the world you're either for me or you're against me how you respond to jesus do you respond in faith and love and recognize who he is and submit yourselves to him that's one. The other is you hold him at arm's length or with suspicion or reject him entirely or only want a part of him. I only want him as a good teacher. I don't want him as a, a sacrificial substitutionary Lord. This causes division. And it's a sharp eternal division. You guys experiencing division right now in households? <laughs> Like, if I just say, I hate to even say these words in a sermon, masks or vaccines, right? Think of the conflict that causes. How much more so the choice that somebody makes over, over this person, Jesus, that has eternal consequences. This is what Jesus recognizes. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says. 
This is Simeon's prophecy. He says this to, to Jesus' mother, Mary. He's, this child will be the rise and fall. And he's going to be a sign of basically that opposition. That's a general statement about Jesus. And then he gets right to a very deeply emotional part to her as well. Notice verse 35. It's, and it's put in parentheses here because this is just for Mary. And a, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. He goes on to say that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. That's the distinction part. But it's that word to Mary. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Something else Simeon understood about Jesus. Not only was Jesus going to be the dividing line in humanity here on how you respond to him. Either you reject him or you receive and rest in him. He also knew that Jesus is that Messiah, the Christ, the long-awaited servant of the Lord. The long-promised restorer of Israel. But when you go through the prophets that spoke about this coming one who was eventually going to, to rule and reign over everything, it says that he has to suffer in order to do it. He goes through suffering before he is exalted as king. The prophets understood this. I want you to look with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 12, 10 through 12. This is at the beginning of Peter's letter. And he writes about this salvation, the salvation of your souls, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And then in verse 10, he says, now concerning this salvation. He says this, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of messiah or christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of christ christ and the subsequent glory see the, peter is summarizing here let me give you the summary of what the prophet said about the christ that there's going to be sufferings and then glory and he says that the prophets were searching this they were inquiring about this Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The prophets were searching this out. Simeon is listed among those. Simeon is one of those prophets searching out for the Christ and he's now seen him and he's seen not only his glorification future glorification but he knows the suffering which is why he looks at the mother and says a soul will pierce your own soul too Simeon gets in some 
glimpse, a, a picture of the cross of Christ. And that's Simeon's prophecy. And lastly is Anna's exaltation. Verse 36 through 38. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then uh, as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And then verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Not a lot of details here given to us about Anna. But she shares something that in common with Simeon. Very important phrases here. I wanted you to go note this. Note verse 25. The consolation of Israel. Notice verse 30. The Lord's salvation. Verse 32. Simeon said, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And then what Anna says here, the redemption of Jerusalem. What is that? What are they talking about? This consolation of Israel. This consolation of Israel is what I think you see in the latter half of Isaiah, starting in chapter 40 and on. You see glimpses and pictures of this. Isaiah chapter 40, actually the first 39 chapters of Isaiah is the kind of the prophesy, the warning about this coming judgment of Israel being sent into exile. And yet in verse 40, it turns to a note of promise where it says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Couple of other places, and bear with me as I read these too, to just kind of set in your mind what is this meant by the restoration of Jerusalem, this consolation of Israel, the glory for Israel, and a light for Gentiles. Isaiah 51 For the Lord comforts Zion, he comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Isaiah 57, I have seen his ways, uh, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. This is the Lord speaking. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners. Isaiah 66, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply from delight of her glorious abundance. This is the restoration. So what is going on here? This is the, what's What's embedded in this entire story here with the purification and Simeon and Anna is the entire story of the Bible. That God has chosen Abraham and he says, I'm going to bring blessing to the world, the world that's cursed because of everything that's happened from Adam's fall onward. But I've chosen you and I'm going to make you the father of a great nation who is going to be blessing to the world and your descendants are going to, uh, through your seed, is going to be descendants to the world. And that seed and descendants of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob is Israel. It's marked with a sign of circumcision. You are my people. I am your God. You will obey my ways and demonstrate me to the world. And Israel, of course, broke that covenant. 
broke that bond with the Lord God and would worship other idols and would engage in gross immorality. And so the punishment and the curses come as Israel is exiled away, taken away into captivity. And yet in captivity, the Lord says a day is coming, a day is coming that even in the midst of your punishments that I will restore, I will bring comfort to your people. And this this restoration, by the way, isn't just going to be for Israel. It's going to come to the world, to the nations. So they promise a return and that this return is going to come through a person, an individual, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And Jesus is that. He is the consolation of Israel. He is the Lord's salvation. He is glory for Israel, but he's also a light of revelation to the Gentiles, to all who would believe in him, both Jew and Greek. He'd give the right to become children of God. True descendants of Abraham. This is the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the consolation of Israel. This is what Simeon saw. This is what Anna saw. This is what Simeon sang about. Friends, may we, may we see this too. May you see Jesus this Christmas. See him as the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament promises and as the one through whom we could be forgiven of our sins and brought into relationship with God the Father as his children. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for your wonderful word. We thank you for Jesus. May we never read this passage in Luke chapter 2 Again, without seeing the intricate workings of your entire plan from cover to cover. We thank you that you have provided this redeemer for us. Who we don't deserve and cannot merit. But by your grace have provided him for us. To be received. We thank you that you, through him, have brought us into your family. You've made us your children. And we know that one day we will, we too will experience the resurrection that he experienced. That we will be raised. God, we ask that by that you would grant to us the joy of your salvation. And that we too, like Simeon, will not have any fear of death. Because we know we are united to the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said.
Amen and amen. Would you stand for closing benediction? And again, if you have any uh, prayer requests, anything you would like to to have prayer for uh, or have any questions about anything, love to talk with you afterward uh, and pray for you afterward. And then also a a reminder um, that there's an offering box over on the table. Um, But here is our closing, uh, closing benediction for this morning. Brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ And the love of God, our Father, and the fellowship that we have in the Holy Spirit be with all of you as you go. Thank you.